Welcome to the Audacious Generosity Podcast. Here we celebrate giving without the pressure to give. Audacious Generosity is where God is the giver and giving depends on what God puts into your hands. Now, here's your host, Kevin White. Good morning. This is Pastor Kevin. It's November the 10th, 2020. You're listening to the Audacious Generosity Podcast. So on the show, sometimes I'm going to be providing some teaching points from my new book, Audacious Generosity. The book actually releases worldwide this coming Tuesday, one week from now, on November the 17th on Amazon. And I invite everyone in the audience, please go to Amazon. The ebook will be 99 cent in the US dollar and that'll be converted to whatever currency you would be purchasing in in any Amazon market around the world and take the ebook on the 17th of November and leave a five-star review that would really help us to influence others on this message of audacious generosity and I will from time to time be providing teaching points through this podcast I will also be providing stories of audacious generosity. We have a website, generosityaward.com, where we are collecting stories from unsung heroes from across the world that are demonstrating generosity, miraculous proportion, and the fulfillment of the Great Commission. And today's guest is one of these storytellers. It is Pastor Aland Tang of Phuket, Thailand. As our guest on the show today, will you please join me in welcoming Pastor Land to the Audacious Generosity Podcast? Thank you, Pastor, for inviting me to be in your program. I'm Pastor Alan. I'm from New Beginning Calvary Chapel uh, in Patong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I have been blessed to meet you. I was having holiday over in Thailand and we were there over a Sunday and looked for a place of worship. And we found Calvary Chapel there, New Beginnings Calvary Chapel, uh, a very sweet, small home church, maybe if you will. And at that time, that area was very busy. It's a tourist area. There was shops to your left and to your right, all the way down multiple corridors and roads, thousands and thousands of people, hundreds of shops. The locals were really enjoying great business as a result of all the tourism and everything. And uh, we're going to get to this part on the show, but now it's a ghost town and there are, are no tourists, no foreigners. And now there are hundreds of hungry families in your area. But before we really dive into the generosity story, walk us through your testimony. How did you come to faith in Jesus Christ? When I was young, uh, I attended uh, school, maybe around age of 15. Mm-hmm. Uh, my background was a Christian family, okay. but I doesn't really know the Lord, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Then I attended the one of the Christian Union is in the school. Mm-hmm. That's where I heard the, the gospel message. That's where I got saved. Mm. And uh, and I have a friend I met. You know, I have been a good friend even since now. Mm-hmm. And now he's a pastor of a mega church in uh, Malaysia. Okay. Yeah, so yeah, you weren't born I, in, you're, you're pastoring in Thailand, but you weren't born in Thailand, right? 
You were born in Malaysia? Uh, no. Born in Malaysia. Okay. So uh, I've been here about seven years. Okay. Six to seven years. Yeah. yeah. So we'll get to how that happened, but tell us a little bit about your family. So it's a Christian family, um, and and are, do you have siblings in Malaysia? Uh, I don't. I have, yeah, I have brothers and sisters. Okay. Uh, I have uh, three brothers and one sister. Okay. All right. Yeah. So would you can would you describe that you grew up in a healthy family? Uh, yes, mm-hmm. but my parents uh, they are not kind of a uh, strong Christian, a strong Christian, you know. Mm-hmm. It just maybe you can call it just call Christian, you know. <laughs> okay. So you don't come from a line of pastors. Your your father wasn't a pastor. Your grandfather wasn't a pastor. No. no. And and do you have other uh, siblings that are now in full time ministry, or are you the only one? Uh, I'm the only one. Okay. Uh, well. My brothers, two of my brothers, who are Christian now, and even my sister, one of the sister, uh, is a Christian. Mm-hmm. Well, that's great. Praise God. That sounds very familiar to my story. My father was not a pastor. My grandfathers were not in ministry. I'm the only one in full-time ministry of my siblings, but uh, but by the grace of God, we are all followers of Jesus yeah. and Christians, so yeah. I'm thankful for that. You were born in Malaysia, and you became a Christ follower. Uh, how did you begin to sense God calling you to ministry? How are you now a pastor? When did that happen? It was started, I think, about four years. Uh, I was uh, attending this uh, church, New Beginning Calvary Chapel. Uh, and the pastor said that he wanted to leave the church to go back. And uh, he asked me to take over the church. Actually, beginning was someone supposed to take take over for one year. Mm-hmm. And I was supposed to learn from him. Mm-hmm. But it didn't work out. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, uh, I took over the role as a pastor. And I had never even preached in my whole life the kind of challenge I had to go through. So this is yeah. recent, within four years ago. How old is New Beginnings Calvary Chapel? When when was it actually um, planted? I think it's about eight years. Okay. Around there. And you were a uh, worshiper. Uh, you were attending. Yeah. So the pastor, the founding pastor, is he American or from what country? Uh, I've been attending the church maybe around four or five years. Okay. You know, but before that, I was attending a Thai church. Okay. And uh, the pastor was American. Okay. Uh, pastor Joe Nelson. He planted New Beginnings Calvary Chapel? Yeah, he planted New Beginning Calvary Chapel. And you're worshiping, you know? and then he is leaving, and you're to fill in yeah. for one year. And now so, it's been uh, so three there years. There was supposed to be someone who was supposed to come over one year. Okay. And I was supposed to learn from him. Okay. Mm-hmm. But it didn't work out, so... Uh, so I immediately took over the, the job as the pastor. Oh, okay. God works in mysterious ways. And <laughs> here you are from Malaysia. You're a worshiper yeah. of Jesus in Thailand. The pastor's yeah. leaving, and he is saying he's going to send you a mentor. And he installs you as a pastor, but then the mentor doesn't uh-huh. show up. And here you are, three years later, the yeah. pastor of New Beginnings Calvary Chapel. Would you say that this has been a very positive experience for you and your family, or has this been a very difficult thing to become a pastor? Yeah, in the beginning, it was very, very difficult. Okay. You know, I have to learn a lot, a lot of things, you know. Yeah. I have to, uh, even to get adjusted to people and, uh, 
the financial in the beginning was very very tough hmm. you know mm-hmm. and we can hardly meet our needs every month always in the rate where we worshiped whenever i was there on holiday is that your home or was that simply the gathering place for the church in the beginning i was uh, rented somewhere else and uh, since i took over as a pastor it's also i decided that me and my wife decided to stay in the church Mm-hmm. So to also help the up the church to pay the rent, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Bring us up to your family now. You are married. Is she from Thailand? Your wife, or is she from Malaysia? My first wife passed away. Okay. That was a bit. Uh, I think about eleven years already. Okay. So I came here for holidays, and uh, someone introduced her to me, and uh, that's how I I began to know my wife where I got married and we stay in Malaysia for one year. Okay. And uh, she's more like uh, homesick, you know, than a fat. She got a daughter mm-hmm. and she had to go, go and come back. So I decided, I said, Lord, why, why do I move mm-hmm. here? So everything, my business I have, I close it out and ship it to here. So, so you met her on I, holiday there in Thailand. Yeah. And she's from yeah. Thailand. Yeah, she's okay. from Thailand. All right. You went over to Malaysia for a year. She got very homesick. So then you closed yeah. up your business there and came to her her home yeah. place there. And so she's a local. Yeah. She's uh, not from here. She's from Saraburi. Okay. It's about an, uh, one and a half hour from Bangkok. Yeah. A hometown. For those in the audience, like from America, this would be like uh, going from a rural area to one of the urban areas uh, where there's potential income for tourism pastor and his wife have uh, now located themselves in a very tourist dependent area a beach there in the southern area of thailand and millions of tourists go in and out Uh, we're going to actually play on the episode we're going to share one of the news reports that pastor sent to me and we'll include it in the show notes of just really describing what is happening in 2020 today. For several years, you've been a part of the tourist industry, and I'm sure you've had a lot of visitors in and out of the church that have been there on holiday from probably countries all over yeah. the world, just like myself and, and others. So what has it been like pastoring in a very tourist-dependent location like that? Most uh, when was the pandemic was not very here last year. We have about sometimes we have about ten people from tourists that come here, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and uh, it does help to pay the church rent. When the tourists they they give a quite a lump sum of offering, yes. you know, mm-hmm. and uh, for the rentals and electricity, uh, our rental last year was twenty thousand baht a a month, mm. you know, mm-hmm. so it helps a lot. Yeah, and uh, and last year we do have quite a number of church members, mm-hmm. but since after the pan- now the pandemic, most of them have gone back. Yeah, and because they don't have work. Mm-hmm. So, do you and your wife have any children? No, but she have a family, her, her own children. Mm-hmm. She uh, now she we have a uh, her daughter mm-hmm. and uh, two grandchildren, mm-hmm. uh, one granddaughter and grandson. Okay. And how has she responded to very indirectly becoming a pastor's wife? 
So you well, two were married. <laughs> yeah, you two were married. And then you're just yeah. worshiping. And all of a sudden, yeah. you're appointed to be the pastor. <laughs> and just like that, now she's a pastor's wife. I've met her. She's a very sweet woman. And and I can tell that she has embraced the ministry. But how was yeah. how was it for her to become a pastor's wife? Yeah, I think in the beginning, it was quite to need to adjust her life, you know. Sure. Uh, yeah. And uh, it's not easy. Certain things uh, in her life we need to be changed, you know. Mm-hmm. And how to approach people, how to encourage people. As a pastor's wife job, especially with the ladies. Well, let's get into 2020 now and just talk about the yeah. generosity story. As you know, uh, as a result of the book Audacious Generosity, we've launched a website, thegenerosityaward.com, and you posted one of your stories on there from 2020, and it involves your wife because she's an excellent cook, and there are hungry people now all around the the church. Walk us through what happened in March as the pandemic began to just shut down this tourist-dependent area and shops began to go out of business and people began to become very hungry um, overnight. And just tell us about All right. you and your wife's right. project. Uh, in the beginning was on the March, uh, when the pa- pandemic happens, and we began to see that people have been, uh, you know, no work, no jobs, you know, and they began to uh, lining up for free food uh, in mm-hmm. the hot sun, most places uh, they give food is the temple, the mosque, mm-hmm. and uh, some MGO mm-hmm. area. And uh, I, then me and my wife say, what are the Christians doing? And uh, as we can see, uh, most of the churches, they just give uh, once a week or maybe once a month. And deep in my heart, I told my wife, we need to do something. So what happened was, in the beginning, uh, we decided to, the Holy Spirit uh, talked to me, say, why don't you approach your pastor in Malaysia? And uh, then I began just giving him a call. You know, we have a desire to feed for 50 people. Mm-hmm. Uh, the project was for two weeks. And uh, so happened, all right, my pastor said, I will raise the money for you for one week. And uh, and we got the money for one week. Mm-hmm. And the money just from 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 him, they passed it to my friend in Bangkok. And he doubled the money. Mm-hmm. Uh, praise God. Yeah. And we have two weeks of uh, money for 50 uh, pack of food to be given away. Mm-hmm. And... That was in the beginning, and uh, we started giving on the first day about sixty pack, yeah, increased to seventy pack. Mm-hmm. You know, more and more people uh, want more food and eighty pack, and uh, that's how we begin. And later on, money just came in uh, from friends, from people who have came here before, and they sent money. You know, they just, how can I help you? Uh, you know, I never even. I asked them, they just said, can I help you in your project? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. that's where we begin to do from hundreds and then for the 200 packs a day. <laughs> wow. And we lasted it for, 
5 weeks from 2 weeks to 5 weeks god is great god is amazing yeah mm-hmm. sometimes our our plan is our mind is so small but god plan is bigger than than our thinking yeah you know? Yeah, I like how you say in your article on our website, generosityaward.com, you say, God's plan is bigger than my plan. <laughs> you you just started feeding people and you thought, well, this church has sponsored a meal. And so you're going to prepare uh-huh. 50, 60 packets. And then yeah. the church in Bangkok doubles that. And two weeks turns into five weeks and 60 packets turn into over 200 packets a day. And on the on the website we really look for three things to make a a strong story of generosity one is the demonstration of generosity and you and your wife um you didn't have 200 packets in your hand you just (laughs) your hands were empty and you just spoke to the pastor in malaysia but you began to distribute what your wife would cook and you used your skills there but then the second ingredient is just miraculous proportion and you really see the hand of god in this that that he multiplied your efforts and uh, allowed you to minister minister but the third ingredient is just the fulfillment of the great commission how have you as a result of this pandemic been able to pastor your city and to minister to these people what has the food allowed you the opportunity to do as a witness of the gospel in thailand we know that it's uh 99 uh 98 is the buddhist mm-hmm. you know and uh there are maybe one percent more than one percent is uh islam mm-hmm. and uh christian is less than one percent mm-hmm. and uh, many of them don't even know about christianity they mm-hmm. never heard about churches mm-hmm. even some visitor that They came here. They they take the motorbike taxi or to they say church and they send them some other place. Mm-hmm. They don't even know uh, about Christ, you know. Mm-hmm. But in this project, they begin to open up and uh, we give up tracks, uh, Christian tracks, you know, and mm-hmm. begin to share the gospel. Even though they uh, don't believe, mm-hmm. but it's an opportunity to to share them to let them know uh, what. Christ is how His love is by mm-hmm. by me and my wife show the example that there, there is love in us. Well, I want to play the news report that you sent over because the reporter does a really good job of describing the conditions right now. And this is what you're ministering in the midst of. And so let's play that report. A year ago, the streets of this tourist island were brimming with a diverse international tourism mix. In fact, the island had become one of the most popular tropical island destinations in the world, catering for both high-end, the backpackers, and just about everything in between. But nearly nine months into a global coronavirus pandemic, things are now very, very different. This is Tewi Wong Road, the beach road in Patong. Usually, just about at any time of the day, uh, all the way through to very early in the morning, this would be a hive of activity. A sea of cars, motorbikes, people, scams, just about everything that you'd expect to get from Patong. But this really is a postcard of what's happening right around the west coast of Phuket. The villages, the towns, the places that are usually crowded with tourists almost all the way through the year these days are desolate. 
almost deserted in some cases. In fact, just a drive down this road, one of the busiest roads in well, literally in Thailand, you would see 90 to 95 percent of the shops shuttered, probably in many cases never to reopen. Since Thailand's borders were closed, the country's tourist magnets, including the southern island of Phuket, have faced the prospect of at least a short to medium term future without any means to run their businesses. Each of these shops is an individual, maybe a family, friends, employees, a landlord, all suddenly cut off from an income. Their sin? Choosing to run a business and pay hefty rents for the pleasure in areas where tourists wanted to visit. In the case of Phuket, which previously attracted 8 to 10 million international visitors a year, its cash lifeline, probably more than 90% of its economy, has been cut off. The Thai government has had a round of cash handouts for people losing their jobs, but in many cases these have either been negligible and in some cases never even turned up. Either way, none of the government's stimulus has been able to do much to help the island find a new pathway to reopen all these businesses. As for Phuket's 2,000 or so hotels and guest houses, most of them still have their doors locked, some even completely vacated without even maintenance staff. The prospect of their survival on domestic tourism alone is impossible. Phuket just too far away from the country's population centres to get any passing or weekend traffic. A beautiful, deserted, tropical beach in Thailand. Unfortunately, it's meant to be one of the busiest beaches in Thailand. In fact, this is Patong Beach, and as you can see, there's almost nobody here. We're at the height of the day, it's about 3.30 in the afternoon, and any time during the year, this would be packed with people tourists and a few locals enjoying one of the best known beaches in Thailand but as you can see this is a barometer of what is happening to Phuket. On the east coast it's quite busy where the locals live but on the west coast the tourist towns facing the Andaman Sea are also facing extinction. There are no tourists, there's no business and there's no prospect of things improving anytime soon. The island's east coast where many of the Thais live and the established families have their businesses have burst back to life following the lifting of lockdown provisions in May and June this year. But a drive along the west coast towns looks more like the set of a dystopian Hollywood set, bereft of tourists and locals, and empty streets lined with row after row of shuttered shops. This isn't an exaggeration, this is how it is, and it's been like this for months with little hope of the situation improving anytime soon. The business people here followed the government's demands to close up shop and lock down for six weeks in March and April. A six week interruption to their businesses would be bad enough, but here we are six months later and the situation remains bleak. In fact, most of the owners and employees of these businesses have stripped their shops, left the island and headed back to their homes. For the locals who call Phuket home, they've had to find a new life, a new job and make a new start, often helped along by the kindness of strangers and the island's expat community. Thailand's travel and hospitality industries, and they are industries, especially on an island like Phuket, are now in perpetual limbo. 
Whilst everyone is happy to see a development like the special tourist visa, it's not even a remotely sustainable model for Thailand's tourism industry beyond the immediate short term and will do little to get these shops open again. All in all, it's a very sad situation. It's hard to imagine how Phuket can pick itself up from here. You've also got places like Pattaya, you've got Koh Samui, even Hua Hin, Chiang Mai, who rely a lot on the tourist trade. Until Thailand does open its borders, places like this will remain, well, almost deserted, a mere shadow of their former self. Tim Newton reporting for The Tiger. So as you can hear, the reporter describes this ghost town that has happened, and he even describes how the Thai government has promised benefits and help, but it never came to your area. Even you earlier were describing how the temples and the mosque would give out food maybe one day a month or once a week, but it was very little public assistance is available there in your immediate uh, area uh the most they they do give out every day for i think the beginning was i think one month uh-huh okay uh, about a month plus yeah you know they give daily you know the mosque uh-huh. and the temple they mostly they, they give out food every day okay you know? mm-hmm. but only the churches are not doing it. so are they still giving out food on a regular basis uh, uh now no they have completely stopped I think temple, they do have this kind of a simple meal. Yeah. yeah. The point is not to criticize uh, any other yeah. religion for their, for, yeah. for their assistance. Uh, but yes. it, is, it is to elevate the opportunity for the body of Christ. I mean, we read in our Bible that what is impossible with man is possible with God and that our God yeah. can do all things. And it so is. then we are pastoring in a very helpless environment there and what can we do to be the hands and feet of jesus and you described earlier in the interview that your monthly rent is a real issue you know you could be kicked out on the streets yourself and yet in the midst (laughs) in the midst of hardship instead of really focused in on your own need you are following the way of christ and his higher ways to consider the needs of others and you're putting your own wife and yourself at risk that you might go without a meal in order to go and share meals with others. And I've been right where you are uh, years ago in our own family, and we never missed a meal. God was always faithful, and he said, you can feed your family, but only I can feed the multitude. And as we focused on feeding the multitude, our family ate too. But what happened was there were hundreds of families that we were able to share the love of Christ with that would have never had exposure to the gospel had we just stayed in our own home and just ate our own food like that. And I picture you and your wife in a very similar place that God has put you in where you have every opportunity to just focus on your own needs. You need to survive. 
and it's within all of us to survive. But the ways of God are higher. And he says, I've got my people, but go and tell the people that don't know that I'm an ever-present help in time of need. Go tell them about me. And giving out food to the hungry is, is a great way to do that. You say that the locals are asking, why are the Christian is giving out food and care about us and love us? How have you seen God using this feeding program to fulfill the Great Commission there in your city? I begin to see family, you know, mostly uh, uh, they talk to my wife and they begin to see their joy and happiness when they, when they gave food to them and they, some of them even take the track. Even sometimes I just put there, mm-hmm. uh, they give to them. They just want to know, you know, the Christian tracks, mm-hmm. even the small Bible, the New, uh, the New Testament. They also ask, they want to, to know more about gospel mm-hmm. and they will ask questions like why was Jesus uh, put the crown, the thorn on the crown, you know, why mm-hmm. Jesus need to die for you, mm-hmm. you know. That kind of question uh, they ask for my wife mm-hmm. because my wife can communicate them in time and mm-hmm. uh, you can see they are open up to the gospel. Is that I need someone to uh, able to in Thai, Pastor from Thai helped me lead them. You say in your story on our website, God is teaching me that He is the provider. And you quote, like the Spirit saying to you, just do and I will do the rest. What do you mean by that? If I look back at last year, I don't really uh, trust in God in that so much about giving, you know. We just only concentrate on the church itself, mm-hmm. how to survive every month. Then after the the pandemic happened, God say, trust me with little things. That how the beginning is how we from fifty to two hundred. And I begin to trust in God to be give up more. And and many, many times I tell my wife, Don't worry. We just give the food. Just give. God will provide. And I always say, Don't stop the water tap that God has given. When you, you, if you decide to close the tap, then God would not able to supply. Mm-hmm. God is the one who has, has the water tap, the supply to give to us. You just trust and the water will just flow and flow and flow. Mm-hmm. That's where I, I begin to trust in God in yeah. uh, giving. I love what you just shared because what you described without even using the word courage is a path of you really taking courage from God and using the freedom that we have in Christ to to be generous to others. Generous people don't strategize on being generous. They are just doing what the Spirit <laughs> has called them to do, and and it ends up being incredibly generous. But that's not that's not what generous people are after. What they're after is just really living an authentic relationship with God, and God begins to use them. And this generous God within us begins to move in very generous ways through us. And that's, yeah. that's how we see the gospel, for God so loved that he gave. And he's going to continue to do that through Pastor 
Aland and through Kevin and through everyone in the audience who will allow him to. And you took courage, Pastor, and you encouraged yeah. your wife to take courage because yeah. it is a risk. It's reckless yeah. at times yeah. to follow the spirit because there was the widow that was asked to make a meal for Elijah. And she said, as yeah. surely as I bake this bread for you, me and my my son will die. <laughs> That's reckless. <laughs> but she never yeah. died. God continued to yeah. supply her oil and her and her flour, and they did not die. But you have to yeah. be willing. You have to be willing to lay down your life for for your friends like that. And that's when you see yeah. the miracles happen. Anything else you want yeah. to describe as far as the miracles, the miracles you've seen in the lives of people in 2020? But my friends. Uh so he saw my project. Uh, he ran an orphanage uh, uh, home, mm-hmm. and he sees that I've been feeding people. And now he begins also doing the same project as what I'm doing, you know, mm-hmm. with the children home. And uh, he taught, he teach the children every day. I give you twenty baht. Mm-hmm. You keep the ten baht, you know, mm-hmm. and you buy, sacrifice your money, and you buy eggs. Some of their saving, they sacrifice and they give. They started with uh, eggs and rice, that's all. Now they are running a project that able to feed about 50 to 60 families. Uh, they, buy, they buy vegetable and rice and oil to give away to family. And it is just an orphanage home. And mm. you don't expect an orphanage home that, you know, to give food to people. Mm-hmm. And they, when this home, uh, they begin to realize and you are giving, God will give them back. Uh, you know, the world would say how foolish that is, that this man who <laughs> needs to feed all these children is now going yeah. to sponsor a feeding program th- yeah. w- through you and your wife. But that's the way of yeah. God. I can't mm-hmm. tell you the number of times I might cry out to God in the past for help buying groceries or something. I don't have enough to to buy groceries, God would like interrupt that prayer and say, take what you do have and share it with the family next door. (laughs) And it would seem so (laughs) foolish, but then, (laughs) but then that family would experience the gospel and God would always take care of us. And we never missed a meal, but sometimes he, he will absolutely ask us to surrender what we do have in our hands. You know, I think of the miracle of the feeding of the multitude. They came up with a little boy's lunch and Jesus basically said, what seems so little to man, I want you now to go give it away. (laughs) And as they gave it away, they experienced a miracle that fed over 15,000 people, but they had to give away that little bit in their hand. And you and your wife have been faithful to do that. So I just want to honor you as pastor and and just thank Mm -hmm. God for you and the example of generosity that you and your wife have had. I just pray God's blessings over you and the people there that in your city that you're ministering to. I just encourage you to keep up the the good work of of the gospel there. Anything else you want to share? And uh, we are still doing uh, the new project. We started a new project on September. Mm -hmm. uh, 18 and it's still running mm-hmm. it's more than a two months now yeah and every day we give about 150 pack away mm. uh food mm-hmm. and uh god is blessing us even at, at one stage there was no fun coming in but my wife say you still give without fun mm-hmm. and the next day 
the money just came in mm-hmm. and uh, we are able to do until now mm-hmm. and we're still doing it. how great God is with a church that is so small mm-hmm. and God is supplying all, all our needs. It's amazing because you and your wife are having impact that even churches that are much larger sometimes miss because it really requires a life of living by faith and putting your trust in God. And that's not something that we do one time when we pray the sinner's prayer and we become a Christian. That's something we do day after day after day. Take up thy cross and follow me, Jesus said. And that's a daily walk. And I admire you and your wife for that. I commend you. Thank you. And I praise God for you. Pastor, will you pray a spirit of faith over our audience? Uh, I just want to invite everyone in the audience, just open up your hands before God. And Pastor, I'd just like for you to pray that God would just fill every hand lifted up before him for his good purpose, for the fulfillment of the Great Commission. Yeah. Will you pray? Thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you, Lord. We thank you for everybody that listened here. Uh, we listen to this podcast, oh, Father. And Father, we pray, Lord, and Lord, that you give them the spirit of bonus, Lord, a spirit that willing to give, Lord, yes. so that they, Lord, yes. you will bless them when they give, mm-hmm. oh, Father, oh, God. Mm-hmm. Father, as, as I trust in you, and they were able to trust in you in giving, Lord. Mm-hmm. Not only just uh, the things that they're able to give, but the things that uh, they that don't, they don't have but able to give uh, to help others people mm-hmm. indeed and and we know that whatever they give and you will bless them generosity mm-hmm. Lord every person that Lord you bless them in Jesus name yes amen. yes amen 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 well God bless you pastor and we're praying for yeah, you and your wife you. and for your city keep up the good work yes thank you pastor And that's a wrap. Thanks for listening, subscribing, and reviewing the Audacious Generosity podcast. Join us next week as we open our hands up to God and let Him fill them for the Great Commission. Check out Kevin's new book, Audacious Generosity. Given the choice, every one of us wants to be more generous, but fear holds us back. Audacious Generosity is where God is the giver, and giving depends on what God puts into your hands. Gone are the days of feeling pressured to be the giver. Instead, audacious generosity will empower you for limitless giving as God gives through you. See what happens when we open our hands to God and commit in advance to use what he puts in our hands to fulfill his mission. Check out audaciousgenerosity.com and reserve your copy today. That's audaciousgenerosity.com.